that boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Well, the Suns can't say they're undefeated with Kevin Durant on the floor. And maybe, just maybe, that's a good thing. You know, monkeys off backs and all that. Or maybe what we saw on Sunday night in a 115-110 loss to the Clippers in Game 1 of the Western Conference quarterfinals was to be expected. We all know this and talked about it ad nauseum last week, but Durant had played only eight games in a Suns uniform. If KD and Phoenix was a marriage, you can't even say it's in the honeymoon stage. This is all still so new. It's like they're on a flight to their honeymoon destination. And quite honestly, it looked more like the Suns and Durant had only been on a couple dates last night. Maybe more concerning, their offense didn't look as hard to defend as advertised. There were not a lot of open three-point shots for Chris Paul, or anyone else for that matter. Durant had 27 points and 11 assists, a testament to his skill. But the Suns didn't sell the farm for KD to be a facilitator. They traded for him to be an assassin, but he had two scoreless quarters in Game 1. The much-talked-about bench was a big problem as well. The Suns saw deficits grow and leads disappear when mostly bench players were on the floor. Six bench players combined for three baskets in 53 minutes and 24 seconds of playing time. Many will point to head coach Monty Williams as the culprit for another shaky bench performance, but he hasn't had consistent roles or production all season long from his reserves, and last night wasn't any different. In reality, it was one of the worst bench games of the year as they were a combined minus 56. Durant finished the year with amazing regular season success. With the Nets and Suns, his teams went 25-2 and to finish the season. But he's now also been a part of seven straight playoff losses in Brooklyn and Phoenix. Maybe it's a coincidence. The Suns have also lost three straight postseason games dating back to last year, and all three featured shaky starts. That's a bit concerning. I have said it a million times, and I'll likely say it a lot more. Every playoff game within a series is a snowflake, unique in its appearance and feel. But if some things aren't improved in a big way on Tuesday, the Suns might be in the market for a shovel. That's Vinny's View. It's presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. You could make all kinds of excuses. It doesn't matter. We had the same time off as they did. You know what I mean? Uh, you could say we didn't have uh, a lot of time to play, but we played two days this week. You know, so we just have to come out with that NBA term urgency right out the gate, and I didn't feel like we had that um, defensively to start, and then we got it a bit in the second quarter, and then we played really good defense and offense to begin the third, and then it just kind of went a little bit offensively. I thought our offense hurt us at the end of the third and gave them possessions and transition. That's Monty Williams uh, postgame on urgency, and let's talk about the urgency in the first quarter, or lack thereof, when the uh, Clippers scored 30 points and the Suns put up 18. Clippers shot 55%, so they weren't getting a lot in terms of resistance. Eric Gordon really went off in that first quarter, 5 for 6, 2 of 2 from 3-point range for 12 points. But the Suns, collectively, Bick, shot 33%. Um, mm-hmm. they, they turned the ball over a couple times. They made just two of six three-pointers, 33% there. Durant was 0 for 4. It looked like a team that was just kind of feeling its way through that first quarter. And I did I did feel like, oh, boy, here we go again. Game 7, all over again. Yeah. To the Suns' credit, they snapped out of it and actually you know took leads. But Monty talked about it in, in, in that soundbite. 
And this is something that he does need to figure out. Mm-hmm. I've talked a lot about you know going to the bench, and if they're not going to produce, it's hard to come up with a rotation. If if guys are not going to grasp those roles and make them their own, yeah, like good well, teams do, the Suns haven't had that. But Monty Williams had one job, one job yes. after the acquisition of Kevin Durant, and that was figure out who your bench rotation was going to be. But the problem with it is, and again, those guys have not performed to the level that they need to to mm-hmm. secure playoff minutes. But you also can't go out on the floor when you've got a core four you can't have four bench players on the floor at the same time and if you look at you know the first quarter uh, the the lineup was Devin Booker Josh Okoge Ish Wainwright Bismack Biombo and Landry Shamit and you had a five point deficit when you mm-hmm. go to the bench it grows to 12 mm-hmm. and later in the third quarter you had a nine point lead you had a similar lineup out there with one starter and four bench players except you had Jock Landale instead of Bismack Biombo yes and that lead goes from nine to a tie game that, in the blink that, of an eye and that was very very unfortunate for, for the team to cough up the momentum because they had it all going in their favor at that point in time the crowd was into it they were that was the moment the season pounced and that did not happen um there's a stat that just is absolute mind-blowing for how misdirected and misguided the Suns' offense was for most of the night last night. Okay, Kevin Durant the last three years. Two years ago in the 2021 season. During the regular season, his clutch percentage usage numbers, last five minutes of a five-point game or less, 32.8% in the regular season. They got to the playoffs and in 2021, 32.8% went to 52.3%. <laughs> wow. Last year, 40.9% usage percentage-wise in the clutch situations went to 47% in the playoffs. This year, his usage in the regular season in clutch time minutes, 32.2%. His usage percentage numbers in Game 1 against the Clippers were 7.7%. So the two previous playoffs, 52% and 47%, 7% in Game 1. That is, that's derelict. Yeah, that, that's not it. Yeah, Kevin Durant has got to be used a little more than that. Well, and if you look at that third quarter as well, that was one of the quarters where Durant didn't score. And it was a weird juxtaposition. Durant didn't even shoot the ball. In 10 minutes and 8 seconds of play in the third quarter, he did not attempt a field goal. Mm-hmm. Yet, was plus 9, handed out 6 assists. The Suns won the quarter 27-22. And they shot 58.8%. Yeah. So that's strange, but they got away with it. Mm-hmm. The fourth quarter is where it gets weird. That's why you got Kevin Durant. It is. And he got one shot in the he, last five yes, minutes of a close yes. game. And we got to get into DA momentarily here. But but here's the last thing I want to say about Monty Williams in response to this. We, we all know Monty's got a, a, any number of really good qualities, particularly for a young basketball team that you're trying to mature and grow. When you get a veteran team that's in championship mode as a basketball coach, you've got to give them the X and O's. You've got to give them the adjustments. So what Monty is, is least proficient at in my my opinion is now what this team craves the most because they don't need the mentorship they don't need the culture the they folksiness need, they don't they don't need any of it they don't need wd better than ws they they don't need that they need a path a schematic path and and that's that's what they've got to get rectified here well and we talked about it last week going into this series too these two coaches faced each other in the 2021 Western Conference Finals, and the Suns got the better of the Clippers. 
But there was a lot of talk during that series about the schematic changes and the the X's and O's advantage that Ty Lue had in that series over Monty Williams. And I, you know, does it come down to X's and O's? I don't know. Does it come down to rotations? Maybe. But you know, the the, the consensus after Game One is that Ty Lue. Coach circles around Monty Williams again. Last Remember year. last year too with Willie Green. Yes, everyone and, was saying he got out coached yeah. there. And Jason Kidd. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is where Monty's got to step it up. He, he's got to serve this team a little better. He's got to shorten that rotation. He's got to it, it, listen. And you better put some three point shooters on the floor if if this is going to be the deal. If you are really, but who are they? Huh? Yeah. Damian Lee. You have to have them. Got to have them. Damian Lee's on the. T- I think Damian Lee is probably going to get an opportunity in Game Two based on what we saw. Yeah, but, we'll see. but now you're chasing the series instead of dictating it. It's it's a recurring theme. So. But uh, well, we got we got a lot of time yeah, to get into these I questions, and there's a ton of questions. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, how does a guy miss sixteen of nineteen shots and dominate a basketball oh. game? We'll ask Russell Westbrook those questions. Not really, but we'll talk about it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. Bickley and Murata mornings on this Monday. A lot of recap from the Suns' loss to the L.A. Clippers last night, 115-110, the final. Clippers lead it, one nothing, and uh, man, it was. Uh, we I described it at the beginning of the show from the Suns' standpoint, Bick, of um, just being a weird game for the Suns on yeah. an individual basis. You might not find a weirder individual game for a player than what Russell Westbrook le- went through last oh, night. Oh, he was the Suns' MVP for most of the night. He was. The Suns' best defense of the yeah. night was Russell Westbrook yes, taking was. a shot. Yes, because it was. He was uh, pretty much applying for work at uh, Habitat for Humanity because he, oh. he was building houses. <laughs> but, jokes aside, when the game was on the line... Russell Westbrook made every single winning play that needed to be made. He came up with offensive rebounds. He blocked the Devin Booker shot, saved it from going out of bounds. He made clutch free throws. Kawhi Leonard was the best player on the floor last night. Mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook made the most winning plays in, in, in crunch time. Let me digest that. That is, um, I, I, I like all of the synopsis. I've got to see if I, I agree with that last part, but but you're right. At, at the end of that game, he came up with a monstrous offensive rebound. He came up with two key free throws, and he came up with a great defensive stop on Devin Booker, smothering a shot that didn't even have a chance. Um, it's funny because I went from being utterly appalled by Russell Westbrook and just the gall he had to shoot his own team out of the game to the point of, what, 3 of 19 is what he was? Yep. <laughs> 3 of 19, uh, 9 points. To uh, nothing but respect for him to not let for him just to continue to play aggressively. And, and then I read this story about how he went back to ASU's gym Saturday night by himself after the Clippers had gotten done practicing for his own little workout. And I'm like, you know what? I, I hate on this guy too much. I, I, I make fun of his game too much. 
because because that kind of dedication means something, and it's not to be mocked. No, it's not to be mocked. I mean, I could still mock I you. Mean, if you went back and to, I'm sure I you will. You went back to but shoot more after hours, no. and you went three for 19. <laughs> Maybe you should be working on other parts of your game. I thought, listen, and, and here's the thing, too, about this, because I thought in the second half, I thought the Suns' defensive tenacity was really good, and I, I never thought I would say this in a million years. Their rim protection was outstanding last night mm-hmm. in the second. I mean, outstanding. They were meeting the Clippers at the rim left and right and left. Left and right, but the offensive rebounds and that one possession at the end of the game. Oh. The one possession that yeah. lasted, what, 51 seconds or whatever yep, it, it was? Did. It did, and it, the Suns could not get themselves a defensive rebound. Now, I don't know how much we, we haven't said a word about DeAndre Ayton. Uh, you want to? Yeah, the Suns need more from him. Clear. Duh. How's that for Captain Obvious? It was... This was a DeAndre for everybody that gets frustrated by DeAndre Ayton. This was a DeAndre Ayton frustration game because you look at the numbers and he was eighteen and eight. Eighteen and, and like, eight. What? And if you didn't watch any of the game, you're like, wow, oh, that's not bad. He showed out. He got completely outplayed, I thought, by Avita Zubats. Yeah, and his and he had none of those games when his handle was frustrating, when he couldn't corral the ball at key opportunities. There was even a time in the second half, and I thought, oh, this is such a bad look. Where D.A. got the ball inside, and he didn't have any spatial awareness, and he didn't know what to do, and he lost control of it. And Devin Booker schooling him on the court in front of everybody, go up like this, just like that. Yeah. And he's doing it with his left hand. And I'm like, we're at the end of year four, and this is still happening. Year five. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that's what happens. When, yeah, that too. That's what happens when his coach, Robert Sarver, is in a round again. <laughs> Booker has to step up and show yeah, him what's right. Get out that way. Yeah. So my my biggest complaint on Da last night, and it it pops up from time to time, is on the subject of contested rebounds. Is when there's two or more players going up for a rebound, he watches. He's not getting a lot he watches. of those. Yeah. And it's easy to make him the whipping boy for what happened on the offensive glass for the Clippers late in that game, but. When you're the best rebounder on your team and you set the tone in that in that realm and you're giving up key offensive rebound after key offensive rebound, that, that tone is being yeah, set by DeAndre it Ayton. It is. And and it, he he could be so much better. He's seven foot tall with a seven foot four wingspan. He could he could high point a rebound better than anybody. Um so uh, that was very disappointing to me, and I think he's gotta be he's gotta be a lot better because statistically you're right. It just oh, okay, not bad, but that's mm, not what it's not what they need. Devin Booker, for as clunky as his ending was, also played great defense last night. He had steals, he had blocks, he took a couple of charges, and uh, they've just they've gotta they've gotta get these pieces in a in a more functioning flow, if you will. And maybe last night was just a, okay, welcome to the real world moment for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, one of my takeaways, and maybe this was being hyperbolic walking out of the arena, but, you know, talking to my kids and a buddy that was at the game, I was like, well, you know what? They, they lost by five. I'm not sure they can play worse than that. They didn't, the Suns did not play a good ba- basketball game. No, no. <laughs> really on either end of the floor. Mm-hmm. 
and it was you know a clutch time one possession game when it when it mattered and and the Clippers and again Russell Westbrook was key to that made a bunch of uh, winning plays at the end of the game uh, here was uh, Russell Westbrook talking about uh, the poor shooting but doing other things to help his team uh, my whole career man I, I'm I've, I've been proud of myself every season to do everything um, I think I'm one of those guys that can do everything each and every night. Uh, like I've always told you guys, uh, whatever's needed of me um, to win the game, I'll do it. I'm just grateful um, that you know T. Lou and the staff believe in me, regardless of my shots not falling, uh, allowing me to better make an impact on the team and, and win it. Look, let's go back to trade deadline week during mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. We were mm-hmm. on Media Row at the at uh, the Phoenix uh, Convention Center, and all the stuff went went down with Kevin Durant. And then Westbrook got traded from the Lakers to the Jazz, and we're like, oh, buyout candidate. Do you remember what I said? Russell Westbrook to the Suns on a buyout contract. Yeah, I do remember that. And everybody was like, oh, that'll never happen. KD and him hate each other. And that was all squashed last week. Everybody had beautiful, nice things to say about each other. He'd be playing a much different role. But, man, Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. Oh, It'd be a nice thing yeah. to have, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. As long as he didn't shoot the ball 19 times. <laughs> yeah. We'll have a lot more coming yeah. up on the uh, Suns game one loss. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! 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 fire. It is time fire. for our hottest ticket qualifier. And uh, today's hottest ticket qualifier here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Brian Campos from Chandler. Brian, you've got 10 minutes to call, 602-260-9870 to qualify for Suns playoff tickets tomorrow night against the Clippers. If Brian does not call within 10 minutes, we'll open up the phone lines to someone else. If you didn't hear your name, you can still get qualified by texting TICKET to 620-620 and listen for your name in the 12 o'clock hour. Once again, starting the clock, Brian Campos from Chandler. You've got 10 minutes to call, 602-260-9870. While we wait for Brian to call, we'll take a timeout when we come back. Sarah Cazell will take us through the big stories of the day with a Rush Hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Monday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Did Brian Campos call in? Yay, Brian Campos! Way to go. Suns fans have one thing to celebrate this morning. Just kidding. That's so dramatic. Let's go through the top stories of the day. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Yo! <laughs> the bleep at the end is just perfect. And Jarrett Carlin's here. Pelvic thrust and from the, Dick Bavetta. And- yes. All right, pelvic thrust and Dick Bavetta. Pelvic thrust from Dick Bavetta. I don't. I don't know what the context was. Neither. Pelvic thrust and from did, Dick Bavetta. <laughs> Who knows? Well, we've, had a, we've had a lot of yeah, fun on this show fire over the years. A random cut that. I mean, well, well, why do you even have that safe? I don't know. <laughs> 
because he's got a lot of stuff saved. <laughs> it's funny. It's a, it's a funny, out of context thing to say. In context, I can't imagine it wasn't also funny. <laughs> I'm sure I got some laughs. All right, let's get into the Phoenix Suns game. Not a lot of laughter from our Suns fans last night. Uh, the Suns lost to the Clippers to open up the series 115-110 in downtown Phoenix. They drop a home game to start it off. The Suns got out to a super slow start on offense. They trailed by as much as 16, about two minutes into the second quarter. They turned it up from there, clawed back, took a nine-point lead in the third quarter, uh, and then it was tight pretty much the entire fourth quarter. A one or two possession game the rest of the way, concluding in a very chaotic disjointed final few minutes of the game for the Suns. Um, you guys just talked about him in the last segment. Russell Westbrook, despite an awful shooting night, 3 of 19 from the field, he managed to impact the game in just about every other way he could. 9 points, 10 boards, 8 assists, 2 steals, and 3 blocks. That's, of course, uh, after 38 points from Kawhi Leonard. Now, one of Westbrook's blocks came with 10 seconds left in the game as Devin Booker was driving to the basket with the Suns down 3. Either side, Paul gets it in. Here's Booker. Suns down three. On the break here in game one. Booker taking on Westbrook and a block by Westbrook. And he throws it off of Booker. It is Clipper ball. What a play. Russell Westbrook. Yeah, then the Clippers uh, took control from there, managed to add a couple points via free throws, and that would be that. Like I said, 38 points for Kawhi Leonard, 19 points for Eric Gordon, uh, 14 points for Norman Powell. Who was the most impactful player on the court last night on either team, and whose night were you uh, most disappointed by? Uh, the most impactful player was Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, he is absolutely phenomenal. And who? What was the last part? Most. Uh, who are you most disappointed by? Yeah. Um, or unimpressed by? Kawhi Leonard's the right answer on the first one. It's harsh. It's a little harsh. Monty Williams is my answer Ooh. on the on the uh, the other part. Fair. I think there's things that need to be addressed. I'll keep it to a player. Uh, I thought Chris Paul, Chris Paul played his butt off, and when you look at his assist and rebound totals mm-hmm. and what he was doing to impact the defense for the Suns, impressive. But man, two for eight—that hurt. Yeah, that really hurt. Suns Especially what rebounder. we saw leading up to this playoff run with him getting comfortable hitting shots and yeah. they weren't there but the shots that he Chris Paul normally makes he didn't make last night he, Chris Paul it, it just uh, the step the half step slow that he is now it's not coming back and I I'm a little concerned about that okay alright let me rephrase that I fear it's not coming back okay fair now with Chris Paul making that effort on the boards 11 rebounds the Suns leading rebounder last night yay for you Chris Paul but also are you looking at the rest of the team like hey that's not his job. Like, where is everyone else on the glass? A little bit. That is a little bit uh, odd. There was, especially late in the game when there was those contested rebounds, Chris Paul got some of those rebounds over some of his teammates. That just goes to show you the competitor he is. Yeah. And, you know, if, if we can sit here and applaud Russell Westbrook for making plays after he went three for 19, yeah. maybe it's unfair for me to even lump Chris Paul into the least impressed. He only went two for eight, which is a, I mean, 
That's a great shooting night compared to what Russell, what Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm erasing. It's not, Chris, it it's not Chris Paul. Okay. All right. Let's get to Monty Williams. Uh, Bick, you just said that you were least impressed with him. Here he is after the game explaining why his stars weren't getting their usual shots. In other words, Kevin Durant just chilling in the corner while people are jacking up shots that maybe he should have been getting. Well, oh, let's let's try that again. Let's try that again. Here we go. Well, I didn't think we were organized enough to get those guys shots. I thought we allowed their, um, the way they matched us, I thought that messed with us a little bit. Uh, we have to just run our stuff, and that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow, just run our stuff no matter how they match up and make them play against our offense. Our offense is pretty good. All right. I want to hear more on your guys' thoughts on Monty Williams. Was he Was he outsmarting himself? Was he doing too much? I don't know if it was a certainly that was part of the mix, but I think the players bought into it too because you know mm-hmm. if, if they're if they're the ones on the court and if they're not quote unquote running their stuff, why why not? The Clippers got into their heads again, and you know Ty Lue said it after the game. The strategy is to make people like Tory Craig try to beat us. Tory Craig played well enough to win that game last night, but the stars didn't didn't come to the, to the, uh, the the forefront the way yeah. they needed to, and that's yeah. got to change. And, and again, this is something you know I harped about this for ten days going into this series. What is the offensive design when there are lesser players open? Do they shoot the basketball? Do they not? What are their instructions? And I I, I can't be any more clear about this. It, it, the ball needs to be in Devin Booker and or uh, start with Kevin Durant. It, sure. it, they need to be in those two guys' hands and let them cook. A- and everybody else can just do what they do. It sounds very, very simplistic, but Kawhi Leonard made two gigantic threes and he found uh, Eric Gordon for a third gigantic three late in that game. Out of that, a triple team. Out of a triple team. Yeah. That's right. That's what great players do. Yeah. And, th- th- and that's where the Suns lost the thread last night. You say it sounds simple, but when you have players like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, it that's doesn't have got, to be complicated. That, that's why you got Kevin Durant. That's, yeah. This is why he's here. Yeah. All right. As if the Suns' loss wasn't enough, Valley sports fans, Buda Baker wants a trade. Oh, goody. Or he at least Oof. wants to get paid. One or the other. Friday around 4 o'clock, well after we were off the air, NFL Network scene Rappaport and ESPN's Adam Schefter both reported that the Cardinals' star safety wants a trade. Schefter says that Buda told the Cardinals back in February that he wanted to be traded or to get a new deal, uh, a deal that would make him the league's highest paid safety. As of today, he ranks seventh uh, as far as safeties go on an annual basis. Here is Jeremy Fowler with more on ESPN this morning. Well, this is a player, I'm told, who wants to win. He's in a situation in Arizona where they're clearly rebuilding and not going to be very good this year. And he's got two years left of non-guaranteed money on his original contract that he signed with the team about three years ago. And so that has to give. So, you know, this is an elite player, $27 million, uh, around two years. So he would like that uh, reworked, either with a stronger guarantee structure or something that makes him among the highest paid or the highest paid safety in the league. And so it appears the Cardinals right now are not willing to do that. And so this could heat up closer to the draft. Uh-oh. All right. If it really is only about the money, about making him the highest paid safety in the NFL, do you have faith that the Cardinals front office will give Buddha what he wants? <laughs> Oof. If no, it, 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 no, I don't have faith because, as Jared pointed out, if this trade, if this all percolated in February, then then there was a chance for this not to even be a story. This just could have been a contract extension for Buda Baker. It could have it been. It didn't even have to be a trade request. I have my doubts that it's just based on the finances alone that the winning part of it is. Um, 
I agree with you. Part, part of the mix as well. If it is, if Buda Baker goes to Michael Bidwell, Monty Austin Ford says, you know, I'm here. I'm, for, I'm, I'm with you guys, but I just need to be rewarded for my efforts. I want to be the highest paid safety again. They should take care of him. I don't think they will or, because they're in the mix of a rebuild. Yeah. I listen. If, if I, I don't think Buda Baker wants to be number one, I Derwin James is a phenomenal player. I don't see Buda Baker going. Well, I, this is an insult that I'm making less than him. But I do think the idea of getting a big chunk of guaranteed money again, yes. so he can't. So if he gets hurt playing reckless football for a bad team. You can get cooked, kicked to the curb. Bye. See you, Buddha. Nice having you here. Yeah. And yeah, and so, uh, again, this is a no-brainer to me. I don't know what's holding it up, and I think Vinny might be right. It might be a combination platter. Sure. Let's quickly get to college football. ASU and U of A both had their spring games on Saturday. It was the first spring game in the Kenny Dillingham era. And he said afterward he was disappointed in the turnout. I thought Pat's run was incredible. Uh, I was expecting more, to be honest. I'm kind of disappointed. You know, we say we want to be a, a football town, right? And it was a good crowd, but it's not what a football town should be. Okay, kind of hard to hear at the end, but he said, good crowd, not what a football town yeah. crowd should be. What do you guys think about that? I had statement? mixed thoughts about it. I, one of the uh, one of the charms of Kenny Dillingham was that he was not an outsider; that he was well ingratiated with the nuances of living in the valley and the valley sporting experience. So I think if that were the case, then this should not be a surprise at all. But on the flip side, I, I also know he's trying to coach up the valley while he's coaching up a football team. So I I, I like his energy. I like his message. That to me, if he really believed that forty thousand people were going to show up, I would say that's a little bit delusional. Uh, look, I appreciate the the pie in the sky request for forty thousand at a spring game. This is Phoenix, Arizona, however, and uh, you know saturated with pro teams. I look, I'm I'm torn on this whole spring game thing too. Part of it, when you see it, you know, ninety five thousand showed up in Tuscaloosa for the spring game. Part of me is like, wow, that's impressive, and part of me is like, wow, that is absolutely pathetic. <laughs> Uh, you don't have anything better to do mm-hmm. than to watch a fake football game? No. But I mean, they're coming off a really dark period of ASU football, so mm-hmm. there is some hesitance from the fan base. I get it. Yeah. I'd be shocked if there's that few people at next year's spring game. Sure. Let me say that. It will take time to build it up, but that, that doesn't mean the building isn't happening. That is true. Thank you, Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, what do the Suns need to do to climb out of that 0-1 hole? lot needs to change, really. We'll get into all of it next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings. Here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. We're just nothing. You know, it's one game. Uh, We'll look at the film and regroup and get ready for a a big game here when we show up on Tuesday. That's Monty Williams. Post game, it is one game, but it was a disappointing game. Suns uh, dropped the game one of their series with the L.A. Clippers, 115-110. to It's a new experience for Devin Booker dropping the first game of a playoff series. Uh, The last three years they've made the postseason. Game one has always been a victory for the Suns. Uh, not so much the case. Uh, uh, kind of along those same lines, Big Monty Williams talking about it being one game. Kevin Durant on uh, the subject of not overreacting. It's a long series. We know that anything can happen in playoffs, so we guarantee to play another game, so we just got to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, and let's go back again to a move that was made before opening 
tip-off last night, and that was Monty Williams taking Josh Okoge out of the starting lineup, going with Tory Craig, and citing after the fact that, hey, wanted more size in there. I wonder what that means for Josh Okoge the rest of the series. Because not only did Monty Williams talk about wanting more size, maybe on forwards, but also on bulkier guards, as he referenced them, Norman Powell and Eric Gordon. Look, Josh Okoge can guard those guys. Yeah. So I'm not sh- I, I'm not I, sure where they are on this, and I don't know if this was Monty Williams playing his hand way too early. There's two ways to look at that maneuver. Torrey Craig was fantastic in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. The other way to look at it, with Torrey Craig in the starting lineup and Josh Okoge floundering and not getting time, the bench was hot garbage. It was. And so that's exactly right. So I, I think both are true at the same time. And, and you you just have to ask yourself, why was that adjustment made? Um, I, I, I think that I think Torrey Craig in, in disrupting the bench patterns or what they expected the bench to be is just creating um, an identity crisis where you didn't need to do it. And uh, the bench was a, a disaster last night. And the bench shouldn't be an issue um, to this extent. But this is one of the definitive advantages. The Clippers have. They're a very, very deep team. You could imagine how deep they'd be if they had Paul George. But I, I just, I just think he didn't. He, he didn't have the right mentality on, on when and how to deploy some of these guys. From the lack of the urgency to start the game, recurring issue from last year, to to that lineup of Devin Booker and and four bench dudes that coughed up a nine-point lead just the minute you finally got momentum in the game to the Kevin Durant usage and, and, and the fact that this offense wasn't rolling through him. Not good. Not good. Yeah, the other way to deal with this if you're Monty Williams is just to say, all right, Bench, you're going to keep the sweats on even longer. And he kind of hinted at that, too. Yeah, the minutes are going to go up for the guys who play a ton. Um, you know, we're trying to match up and keep size on Kawhi as best we can, but we also have attention on Powell and Gordon. And so a lot of it was getting some defensive guys on on uh, Powell and Gordon along with Kawhi. Uh, but I think I could have given Terrence a, a longer run tonight just to get us somebody who can knock down the shot and space the floor. Yeah, Terrence Ross played four minutes and 14 seconds off the bench, shot once, had yeah. one rebound, um, so it wasn't a factor. The Suns got, again, three baskets from the bench in 54 combined minutes. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, uh, collectively everybody was in yeah. minus. It w- it was it was a disaster. No, it was. And then and then you talk about just the 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 amount of three points attempted. It, people talk about three point efficiency. That ain't it. It's three pointers made really that you have to look at. And on paper, it doesn't look like a big deal. Ten to six. Other than the fact the Suns had three three point attempts very early on, so it basically was you know ten to three. Uh-huh. So I. It, uh, to me, or that, that those that's made. They had 19 attempts. So it, to me, it's it's the math problem that goes with that. So you might want to think that of of an alternative strategy here and let the offense go through Booker and KD, and then maybe surround them with guys who can make those shots. Whether it, whether that person's Terrence Ross or Damian Lee, but again, now 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 you're chasing the series and you're chasing the matchups, and this is not the position you want to be in. This is not a death sentence. It's nothing this team can't overcome. And my my 
my silver lining hope is that last night will be a battle test moment for this team, and now they'll kind of recalibrate and kind of go, okay, we get it now. Yeah. We get it now. I don't know. Well, and I, I can just look into the crystal ball, look into the future, and, and maybe Monty try some different things with the bench uh, on Tuesday. And he'll get criticism for it, mm-hmm. which I don't think he should. Again, he played it the way he played it last night. The results were not good. I would not be shocked to see Damian Lee get a run in Game 2. Mm-hmm. I would not be shocked to see T.J. Warren get a run in Game 2. And I'll even go a step further. I wouldn't be shocked to see Darius Baisley get a run in, oh, game, boy. in game two. Oh, boy. If you're talking about size and length okay. and creating difficulty defensively, All right. he's the one guy on that bench that can really at least present that from a physical standpoint. He's a long 6'10 guy. It is interesting, though. There is a fine line between making adjustments and looking desperate, mm-hmm. like you're grasping for mm-hmm. straws, you know? Well, that's, again, why, in hindsight, and I, I was a little curious when the starting lineups came out last night. I was yeah, like, wow, so he's I. going with Craig and not a Kogi. In hindsight, I don't necessarily think that that was a great move for the the best results moving forward. Yeah. Because now you right. now you got to move another chess piece. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and that to me that's that's uh problematic. Now if you get if you get the Kevin Durant usage numbers up, I think a lot of these issues will take care of themselves. Um we got to get Devin Booker to perform better in these clutch situations. Um there you know it it's he's had some high profile end game failures in his playoff career. He's had a lot of successes, too. He's not the guy I'm choosing to hate on here, but the end of the game, he had a couple of bad turnovers. He had the curious choice to try to go foul hunting on that last drive to the basket, and then he gave up the two free throws to Russell Westbrook, which I'm really not blaming him for. That was, you know, it wasn't an egregious foul or anything like that. He's got to be better down the stretch, and KD's got to be more involved. That's what I'm trying to say. Totally agree. You can register to win tickets to see Foo Fighters on October 3rd at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Just head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for event details and your chance to win tickets to see the Foo Fighters. Coming up next, Dan Bickley kicks off the second half of the show. Fire! And after a playoff loss, what else do you expect? Fire! Fire! The Bickley Blast is next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, middays 10 to 2. There were expectations last year. They did not respond well. That was the definition of a meltdown. Having Kevin Durant, in addition to what he brings to you on the floor, I think helps prevent anything like that from ever even starting to snowball again. The exact opposite force that you need to fight pressure, Basinonians, is confidence. You need confidence to fight pressure. And that's what KD is dripping of. He's dripping. Wolf and Luke, middays 10 to 2 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.